Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. I'm James Arkazinski, Communication Director for Adventist Frontier Missions. I'm on assignment in Benin, West Africa, videotaping our mission projects and the progress the gospel is making in this land, which is the birthplace of voodoo. In part one of Jonkel All the Way, I invited you to take a journey with me to the villages, bumpy pothole-ridden roads and all. Along the way, we have learned about the Panjari diet, burning fields to clear land, God's care for us in answer to your prayers. A hike up Tengeta Mountain, potholes and speed bumps galore, and pigs that timed their road crossings just to the moment before we pass by. Well, as we are about to discover, Benin does not have a monopoly on rough frontier roads. This story is titled, Jonkle All the Way. Burkina Faso roads rival that of Benin. As we traveled from Ouagadougou to Tangeta, Rounded mile markers shaped like tombstones announced the distance in kilometers. Or perhaps they foreshadowed the death of yet another vehicle with one of the following results. Broken axle. I saw three of those. Flipped overloaded taxis with their cargo tumbled into a disorganized heap. They stacked them three times higher than the taxi with gunny sacks full of supplies and topped them with motorcycles and an occasional passenger or two sitting on the load or standing on the back bumper. Well, that may actually be more comfortable as inside the Toyota van, about the size of a VW minibus, are crammed 16-plus passengers with a few inches of breathing room rationed amongst the sweaty odors of their neighbors in the unair-conditioned interior. Broken down engine. Every few kilometers, a large cotton hauler or tanker truck blocked the lane while a mechanic's leg stuck out the side. Simply put, one does not tow a truck to bring it to the mechanic. One escorts the mechanic to the vehicle. Fire. Burned trucks or cars are not uncommon to see. Introduction to a tree. Well, I was sure there were no survivors in that one. My thoughts turned sober when I saw another tomb-shaped marker. Here lies another vehicle with driver foolish enough to pass this way. Nevertheless, we moved on. Screech! Susie stomped on the brakes to slow down enough not to break the axles as we navigated the tanker-sized potholes. Click! Snap! The seatbelt caught me. In some places, whole sections of the road were missing. Again, we weaved left and right between the holes, unable to slip by them all. Rumble, rumble, thunk! 
We gave up and opted for the dirt tracks to the side of the road that others have scouted as an alternative service route paralleling Burkina Faso's main northern route to Benin. Yes, this bumpy dirt road was faster than the paved highway. Besides, it was easier to stop there and use a thorn tree as cover to relieve my shaken bladder. Remember the several liters of water that Susie gave me? There are actually a few unspoken road rules. Number one, go where you must to avoid the holes. Number two, so long as no traffic is coming from the other direction, and if you are quick enough to dodge in and out of their lane while avoiding a head-on collision, you are free to choose the least rough path. Notice I did not say smoother. Number three, use your horn to warn others you are passing. Beep to thank them. Number four, in the case that two vehicles are involved in a game of African chicken, the one who flashes his lights first has the right of way. Number five, the one who flashes his headlights the most overrules the other. Number six, the larger the vehicle, the more right of way it owns. Number seven, slow down if you are unsure about anything. Number eight, jonkle all the way. One would think that with these rough roads that surely we would experience a flat tire, yes? We did, too. In one case, it was a simple matter of trying to avoid one pothole while hitting the other. The second crater was too wide to straddle, and the right front tire hit the sharp side of it. Bam! Hiss! The impact to the tire sliced the inner tube. Upon inspection, Susie took out the jack and placed it in the dirt six inches down from the pavement. Cranked up, though, the jack couldn't get the wheel high enough to change it. She moved it to the pavement. But then it was too tall to slide under the car. After pondering this dilemma for, say, three seconds, Susie walked to the front of the car and lifted the front end high enough for Ricardo Palacios to place the jack in the perfect spot. A few minutes later, Ricardo, AFM field director for Africa and former missionary in Thailand, dutifully broke branches and placed them on the road in intervals to warn the oncoming traffic to slow down. That is the African way. Make use of what one can find. The other flat tire took place at a village. The roads were just too much for the battered and nearly bald tire. We were there holding a beautiful church service under a mango tree beside the mud-bricked courtyard of a newly baptized member. The courtyard wall had a detailed illustration painted with tar of an elephant to the left of the entrance and a leopard on the right. Afterwards, we discovered the flat. Susie changed it as five other men looked on intermittently, throwing in a helping hand to lift the tire and to crank the nuts tightly. So, back to our story. We near our destination. The hazy sun is beating down on me mercilessly through the left window. Well, I can't wear my hat in the cab, so I tuck in a corner of it above the window and roll it shut. It now hangs there, preventing a sunburn. 
We sigh gratefully as we cover a welcome piece of 200 meters of smooth dirt road. I stretch my legs and guzzle down another half liter of water, which naturally reminds me to search for the next semi-private stand of trees or cluster of corn stalks for which I can use as my bathroom. Wham! Bonk! My head meets the side of the window. It doesn't shatter. Neither does the window to which my fortune was tempered in Japan. The knot on my head will heal soon enough. At last we have arrived at our village. The children gather round and politely say, Bonsoir. I respond in kind as this is one of the perhaps fewer than a dozen French words that I know, but they don't know much more either. They all speak the local tribal dialect. We walk past several baobab trees, huge and fat, some 25 paces around, with smooth, slick bark and not a leaf to be seen. It looks like it is growing upside down as the branches look more like roots. But I love this tree. Its fruit hangs down like green ornaments on a bare Christmas tree. But these decorations are much tougher. The shell of this native fruit requires a machete or a hammer to break it open and expose the sour powder dried onto its stringy veins and blackish-brown seeds. This tangy superfruit you can now buy in health food stores around the world, and Benin is well known for its baobab exports. A part feral, mean-looking pig, resembling a small cousin to the Arkansas Razorback, snorts as it ambles our way. <laughs> I'm from Arkansas, but I refrain from letting out a loud hog call. It doesn't understand English anyway. I need to keep an eye on that one. We hurry past. It crosses the narrow path behind us. The stories the villagers tell me are of Jesus granting them peace from spirits harassing them in dreams or walking on their roofs, of taking sacrifices to appease the fetishes and finding freedom from fear through God's power of miraculous healing from maladies that have plagued them, of bringing a family back together after years of estrangement, and of gaining victory over alcohol or other vices. Praise God that he's working in a mighty way. Then we reenact some of the scenes. A crowd of 25 adults and 35 children gather to watch the fun. They howl in laughter as their friend runs through the field being chased by another, because he was a bad shepherd. They offer extra props of a bowl of water and feathers, or a chicken or sheep, as one pretends to go see the fetisher, or local witch doctor. They move back politely and offer advice as I shoot another scene of several volunteer young men who pretend to go through their tribal initiation and run through their village with their shirts off. The real story has them running without any clothes. They watch and stare as a Christian invites a friend to attend some Bible meetings. <laughs> they laugh again as four older teens pretend to drink alcohol. For this scene, the drink was actually water offered in a large gourd, the traditional way of presenting intoxicating liquids. But none would drink the water because pieces of dirt and bugs and even chicken feathers floated to the top of this unwashed vessel. I pray that God will bless this village and protect them and keep his new Christians faithful. Time to head back home, across those same roads, 
I have to mention that not all roads in Benin or Burkina Faso are bad. Others are smooth and beautiful. However, these missionaries live on the frontier, and this is what the frontier looks and feels like. As we jonkle our way back, we run across the local toll collector brandishing a long hunting rifle. He waits by the side of the road and pulls a coddled together rope made of rags and rubber cords across the throughway to stop motorbikes and trucks and extract a fee. I am told the nearby town mayor hires them. Extortion? Official bandit? He certainly isn't from the government. Susie just honks and drives onward without so much as slowing down even one kilometer per hour. They always let down the road. Or Susie would go through it and snap it. We drive speedily over it. ONG license plates, or NGO in English, non-government organization, have their benefits. These paratoll men won't mess with someone having ONG status. Another pig with piglets crosses the road in front of us. How is it that they time their road crossings to the exact moment when we arrive on the scene? Really, how do they know this? In any case, it's a good sign that we are definitely closer to home. Upon arrival, I crawl out of the truck, nursing my nearly fractured spine. Okay, I did exaggerate a little bit that time. My legs still work. The five dogs greet us with a growl or a sniff and check out the floor of the cab for any crumbs or popcorn seasoned with brewer's yeast and salt, Susie's favorite snack to keep her awake on long journeys. We ask Ernest, their part-time farm helper and part-time evangelist, about the whereabouts of the goats. He tells us that he found them two kilometers away in the neighboring village. Our prayer was answered. Night comes on fast as we prepare for bed. As the quietness settles in and the crickets begin their singing, I think I hear Gronder growling at some dark shadow. Ah, never mind. It's just the snores of the night watchman. End of story. If you have ever wondered if your gifts to mission projects for a vehicle were necessary, or if they were put to good use, let me assure you that they are. They haul people, well or sick, goods and medicine, water, food, and other supplies across easy and treacherous terrain. Thank you from the bottom of every missionary's heart. <laughs>